0: Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have to tell you guys, I'm super excited for my guest today. Vicki Holloway is a dog show photographer. She is also a poodle breeder, and she has an amazing history in our sport. And we're gonna talk about how to get the best wind photo with your dog that you can get, and the importance of wind photos, and not just those cute candidates. We need those things, don't we, Vicky?
1: Yes, we do. It's our record of our dogs and what they look like. Absolutely. And yeah. how they're presented and what they should look like. And, you know, if somebody
0: writes down the wrong number, you've got a photo that says, yes, I did go winner's bitch. I did right.
1: earn that major. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So that's important stuff.
0: All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies Or maybe you just finished your foundation bitch and you're ready to start health testing. Embark, creator of the highest-rated dog DNA tests on the market, offers specialized testing just for breeders. And while they're offering a few different tests, only the Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit was made to provide breed-relevant disease screening for your purebred dogs includes traits testing, such as coat color and body size, DLA diversity testing, breed ancestry, easy-to-download OFA submission reports, and the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding test available. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program, including me, through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. So, Mickey. Give us the, as we call it, the 411. Your background, what got you started in dogs, your path to being a dog show photographer, all of that. Okay.
1: I grew up in the sport. My father was in the Air Force, and we were stationed in California, California and they bought two great days, brother and sister, and we, I know, the breeding program, not. I started to show dogs and I was about 10 years old and had a few years where we lived our normal life and high school and that kind of thing and then just got back into it. I just sort of morphed into being a dog show photographer. I got started shooting from ringside and then, you know, that rolled into portrait work, I call it, and then realizing that you're at the mercy of weather and locations for photo shoots and ringside, and I just thought, I'm just going to start doing the wind photos and realized how important it was once I got involved in it. It is important,
0: and you started with your family, what, you told me, the 60s?
1: Yes, in the mid-60s, and then basically, you know, it just sort of progressed into that and then just grew, and now, you know, I've traveled Around the country, and of course I shoot the American Kennel Club's dog show and I also did some photography for Crufts for their breed winners before they yeah, the group, which was really delightful. You know, it's so different than what we we're stuff in it to win it, you know. (laughs) We are here to present this dog the best we could, and it was really a great experience. Great, I love that. Yeah,
0: totally fun. So you're based in Southern California, but you yes. shoot all around the country.
1: I do. I basically do shows and they come and they go for certain states. But basically, you know, I would like to stick around more local shows, but we don't have that many anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so, it's been a rough couple of years,
0: man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about a couple of things. Let's talk about getting your best win photo, talking to our exhibitors, mm-hmm. what are the things that they can do, train their dog, all of those things. And I also wanted to talk because you brought this up when we were talking earlier, and I thought it was a really good point to touch on. Maybe we can start with this talking about the clubs and yeah. some tips for show giving clubs right. about working with their dog show photographers.
1: Yes, really. It's, you know, we need a place to put up a backdrop and If they can talk to the photographer and figure out where the best spot would be, what would keep us out of the way, but yet close enough to be able to get there to do the photograph. And it's kind of surprising how few clubs really get involved, or if they do get involved in the photo area, it tends to be. Okay, well, I need more than five feet <laughs> to be away from my subject.
0: Exactly. So, what are like the top five things that you, as a photographer, would tell every showgiving club? These are the important things to think right. about when you figure out where your show photography area is going to be. Top five things.
1: Yeah, a spot that is large enough, a spot that is. And large enough is what? 20 by 20? You know, I'm not very good at telling, I would just say like 20 feet by 15 feet, just so that, you know, we're throwing toys and that can be really disruptive. So we'll rope off a photo area and then that area where you're throwing to the left to get the dog's attention is now your are danger zone. a clobber, a cardigan Welsh Corgi on the table, you know, with a toy. So that spot is important. And... You know, not too close to where the action is, but not really too far away. And I know it seems like it's asking a lot, but it's really surprising. You know, I'll set up a photo area the day before. So we have to come in a day early, rope it off. And when I come back in the next day, you know, I'm just praying there aren't people set up. Right. Your grooming
0: table is in my photo area, honey.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so just please help us to isolate this area and treat it. You know, with respect, because Mm -hmm. I look at it that the show photographer is advertising their dog show with every photograph we take. So there's a difference. You need, our sign is in every photo and it says whatever, you know, Podunk Kennel Club of River City. And then Mm -hmm. that's it. It's got all the information. That's where it was. This was our club. This was the date. Yeah, Ringside has a few shows that have iconic looks to them. And we know it's mm-hmm. The Garden and the Royal Canin, and Yeah, mm-hmm. But basically, it doesn't tell you where you are. It doesn't give you any information as to where that show is. You can not look up anything to try to identify it. So they have a purpose. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they don't. Mm-hmm. They definitely do. But, you know, the wind photos will be there forever.
0: Historical record. I love that. Mm-hmm. And talk to us a little bit. I mean, this is something we haven't really even gotten into in other podcasts that we've done with some of the show photographers. Talk to us a little bit about your work as the show photographer with the club. How does the club decide? How do they work with you? All of those sorts right. of details. Because there's lots of folks that are coming in that are new show chairs and right. don't know some of these secrets.
1: Right. It is true. You know, so many. Dog shows, you know, it's just been the same forever. And then now the turnover within dog show worker bees, you know, the ones that put on the volunteers that are like sweating blood and tears. Right. But then they burn out. And I can tell you that with COVID, you know, I've seen a fair amount of that. I think they sat there at home during that year and just said, okay. So, wow, this is a lot of work and I don't have to do it this year and they're gone. You can't make me.
0: So what are some of those tips for those people that are coming in and new volunteers that are taking on these important roles?
1: I would say absolutely. Look to see who your photographers were prior and, you know, reach out to them. If you have a meeting or people within the club or you've gotten complaints Take that into consideration and see maybe you might want to make a change or not. You know, you want to make sure there really aren't that many of us. And we're overloaded in certain areas of the country. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm from California and it's kind of renowned for too many photographers at each show. And then you go back east, you've got one. If you're lucky. Or two, yeah, that work really well together and, you know, all of that. So, you know, but reach out because at this point, you know, if something comes along, that photographer may have to say, I know that I've been shooting at such and such a club for years, but I've got an offer from someone else that's firm. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know now a lot of times who's running it. Right. I've got a couple clubs on the AKC website, just a side note that the information to contact the show chairman is like someone who's, that's not the show
0: <laughs> Okay, so tip to the club, make sure your show chair information is updated. I think yep. that's a great tip. Right. And make sure that as the show chair, one of the things on your checklist is to check with your photographer, see if they are planning, if they're on your calendar. Right. And what's the lead time for that? How far in advance? So if my show's in June, I can't call you up on Memorial Day and say, hey, are you coming? Oh, no.
1: <laughs> I mean, basically six months for mm-hmm. sure. And that's the other part of not knowing who to contact or are those mm-hmm. contracts that you have now done, you know, because right. those people are gone. You know, we really are in a transition period where really reaching out as far in advance as you can. Yeah. And try to become familiar with who the photographers are mm-hmm. that you feel would be the best fit for your club. That's mm-hmm. another thing. You know, there are certain people that just, it's just a better fit, you know, for that photographer to that club. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think one of the things when we're talking about, okay, the last couple of years have been, voila! Yeah. clubs have had to change dates and bounce their dates around and, you know, you change your date, you can't assume that your show photographer is coming with you without asking.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, the last week or so, I've been getting on the AKC website and trying to figure out, okay, are you having a show? And, you know, one of the things too is like even the superintendents don't have the information. Mm -hmm. So I've been more proactive about trying to figure out, okay, are you having a show? And I contacted a show chairman just two days ago that said, honestly, I don't know. And that's in still, you know, and it's so months. hard. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I'm like 95% sure, but it's not like it was a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that reaching out in advance and just getting that under your belt, you mm-hmm. know, then you know that you've got a photographer, someone who's going to be recording the wins at your show. Absolutely. Okay.
0: All right. So there's our tips for the clubs. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about our tips for the exhibitors. Let's talk okay. about training. I mean, you and I have all heard it. Most common complaint in the world. Mm-hmm. My wind photo looks like bleh. Yes. So part of that is on you. the right. Yes. Right. So yes. let's talk to the exhibitors and say, this is how I recommend you get your very best wind photo.
1: I would start with make sure that you come out of the ring and everybody's excited and they're really not thinking in the moment about, Oh, I need to get a picture. Some people do. And then others kind of go, Oh, wait a minute. We need to get a picture, but make sure your dog is, you know, if it's hot, that it's cooled off. If it needs some water, give it a drink, just let it take a minute to chill and kind of relax because you've won a prize with that dog and that dog knows it. So, you know, there's a lot of, energy going on in the air. And I realized that, you know, we have these time constraints that are involved. And if it feels like it's going to be really crunched to have that judge available right then, wait, you know, just come back when they have their break and then bring a fresh dog. And when you get to the photo area or into that position, I think the handler and the owner of the dog Relaxing and just being in a really positive place. We all know about that. It goes down the lead. And if you're in a positive place, one of my things that I find kind of amazing is the number of people that walk up and say, Oh, we're never going to get a good picture. He hates it. And I think, Okay, well, let's try to self fulfilling you know, prophecies, people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's think happy thoughts. You know, <laughs> to me, dogs are. They're kind of like a four-year-old child. They're not going to stand there forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they will do as best they can, for the most part, what you're trying to get them to do. But just relax, get up there, think positive. Another thing is, if you're on the stand, please, please, I'm basically begging people, don't train them to start with food immediately.
0: You are absolutely preaching to the choir. This is something I am always on about. Yep. How many times have I told you guys, do not train them to stack by shoving food in their mouth?
1: Right. Because first it throws them off balance. The dog is off balance now. You are feeding this dog. It's leaning forward. You're not going to get the front set up properly. As soon as you take that food away, they move. Mm-hmm. It's just a given. And why are we rewarding them for not even remotely coming close to doing what we want them to do? And well, I need to do it. I hear this all the time. I have to do it. Otherwise he won't stand still. And it's like, no.
0: Okay. So that's a training piece. Yes. And for all of my listeners, you have heard me speak and preach on the one, two, three, four, five, walk your dog up to your hand. Yeah. All of these things are going to, make the show photographer's life easier they're going to make your life
1: easier yeah and they're going to make your dog's life easier well i mean i can tell you i've worked with the best handlers in the country for years Mm -hmm. and i mean there are so many names i'm just gonna say andy linton because that was when it hit me the process Mm -hmm. of why those dogs are push button. And, you know, it also is you throw the bait so that they look and don't let them dash off immediately, like make them wait and just a beat and then go get the food or go get it for them and give it to them or give them another piece or whatever. Yeah. As far as table breeds, you want them to look at the camera. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of the toy breeds and that one of my things that I do is I ask them their call name. What do you call this dog? And it's Fifi. So, okay, I wait, I get into position and I just very quietly, Fifi. And then this strange voice that sounds pleasant, they look right at the camera and you get your shot. And so, if we ask you to come in and help, Mm -hmm. try to remember not to do (laughs) Fifi. Tone of voice matters. I mean, way more than that going on than you would think. And I just like, okay, well, now Fifi basically is wanting to head back to the crate. So Fifi thinks she's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So always, you know, it sounds so simple, but make it pleasant and acknowledge your dog. This is another thing that I stress to people all the time. Now, make a fuss. Don't be one of those people that the dog does it and then you'll make a semi or a negative comment and then just walk off. What's in it for that dog? Mm-hmm. They walk away feeling, okay, well, that was unpleasant. I don't understand it. So please, like a lot of praise, I think is really important. Make them love it. Right.
0: And they will. I think that that's really true. And you and I know this too. There are dogs who think they're cool oh, and yeah. show that. And there are dogs who are uncertain. Right, And so our job as exhibitors, with particularly those uncertain dogs, is to give them confidence, to build them up. Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, maybe it's because I've had Great Danes, that's what we started, and then I had Whippets, and have always had poodles. But that was a breed that we really bred and showed a lot. And poodles are really known for that positive praise. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing the same kind of behavior things with other breeds Mm -hmm. and you know I'll try to even interact with a dog because I think that there are too many situations people say they're afraid of the camera I think it's more they're afraid of the situation yes because a sign could have fallen over during a photograph or you know maybe not picking at people but a male photographer is making growling sounds and throwing a squeaky or somebody throws something that just completely makes them lose their mind, then you have to really work hard to get them back to
0: it. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. We talk about all the time in socialization, that positive experiences to everything they're going to encounter. Yeah. When you have your new puppy, even if you don't win, you're just taking it to dog show. Even if you're not entered, stop by the photographer stand, put them up on the stand, feed them a cookie have the photographer flash around right. while they're getting cookies.
1: Yes. And then they get off the stand. And I say, even if they didn't do everything perfectly, they still should get a attaboy. Right. And I think that that positive experience, yes. like the whole thing is very much because it's incredibly difficult to try to take a picture within such a limited time period with weather conditions. Judges
0: tired, the dog's jacked up, the photographer's tired.
1: Yep. <laughs> yes, you've got judges that think I need to be anywhere here. So to me, if you're ready and prepared, it's going to really make for a better photograph for everybody. Yep. It's a team effort. And also there's that whole thing about how people look.
0: Okay. So this is a great one because I was notorious. You know this. I was notorious. I hated getting my photo taken. I'm like, can you just cut me out? Because <laughs> Right. And so as a professional dog handler, this is sort of not a plus on your resume. Right, right. So trying to give some tips for people, you know, you've concentrated so hard on making your dog look good. The judge is smiling and you look like demon spawn, right? I know. So what are some things One, two, three, four, five, set up your dog, stand up, smile.
1: Yes. I tell people like a mantra.
0: Look at the dog or look at the camera.
1: That's another question. Wherever you want to look, you make that choice. But if it's, you know, like you can't really tell when somebody's looking down at the dog, but keep smiling, keep smiling, keep smiling. I'm working on the dog. You work on you. And then that way you get yourself looking the way you want to look. And you'll figure that out, you know, once you get so many pictures back. Like I was showing my own dog about four or five years ago and just really quick, like we finished it really quick. Don't meet your customers, I always say. And, you know, I get those photos back and I'm like, okay, well, I need to do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, it's mine was always trying to make my face right, but it's also straighten your jacket,
1: pull it down, yeah. uh, fix your cuffs, get your leash gathered. Yeah. Those pieces are Important too. Right. Absolutely. I can't believe how much time I've spent getting slobber stains off of a black skirt. You know, I mean, people think, oh, they're photoshopping the dog. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the spit off your jacket, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm giving you a chemical peel. Oh, my God. Please, could I vote for that?
0: Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Troopanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Troopanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Vicki, I think another uh-huh. one that I think is really important, we talked a little bit about that I think people don't necessarily... that. New exhibitors particularly don't understand. There are certain breeds that are shot head-on, certain breeds that are shot oh, three quarters, right. certain breeds that are shot full hard profile, yeah. and some that maybe you want to adjust that a little bit because of it's going to showcase or unshowcase certain things right. that you want. So talk to us a little bit about camera angles and what those mean and why they are the way they are.
1: That was the most difficult part to learn, you know, as far as you are called into a ring, it's just a generic photographer call and you walk in there. and Okay. A at the beginning, <laughs> another side story, there was a particular toy breed that looked like one breed, but was apparently another breed. And the only way you could tell the difference was it had a bow in its top knot. And so, you know, you get some of that as well, where you just think, Oh God, but I'm a big one for interacting with the exhibitor. Because some of the breeds, like you should just know, that never have ears on. A Spanoni. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there were some of the breeds where, okay, that makes sense. And then others where I just thought, okay, I don't really understand it. And one of those breeds was the Great Pyrenees. Mm-hmm. Because that was a breed, no ears, and just this, I call it this zen look. But think about what they were bred for. They're bred to relax you and rescue you. And you don't want ears up. You want everything just as calm as you could make it. And then if you don't really know some of these new breeds, I don't know, ask them, Mm -hmm. you know, do we not want ears on this breed? And most of the people know what they want, but it is confusing. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. it can be very confusing.
0: So I think that's a great point. Talk to your photographer, say, you know, this breed, for example, when I was first started showing Spinoni, I had to remind people a lot, right. no ears, no tail. Yes. The top line's supposed to look like that. Yeah. Right. Like,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. It's a dream come true for us. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to do anything,
0: <laughs> right. but that's a thing for exhibitors to know that right. and to share yes. that information with the photographers who have a lot of knowledge, who've been around forever but don't necessarily know always exact intricacies. The other thing I think is really good that I learned as a handler and that many of the photographers I've worked with over the years have really helped me with is say, for example, I have a dog that I know that its fault is that it's a little bit long bodied Uh and I don't really want to showcase that in the photo. And so I'll turn that rear away from the camera, just maybe 10 or 15 degrees. Right to limit that right. what are some of the other things that you think of in that area
1: yes there is a fine line because i know that there are certain breeds that that's how you shoot it period mm-hmm. and if you deviate from that i feel that the person looking at that photograph who's not the owner is going to say okay why did they do this right <laughs> what are they trying to cover up and so sometimes you just got to hang in there. It's
0: very subtle.
1: Yeah. So I think that knowing those
0: kinds of things is really important. You started talking about it earlier, Uh the toy breeds that you shoot head on, because what you want to see is the face,
1: Uh huh. right? right? And
0: so that's something that new exhibitors may or may not be aware of.
1: Right. And there are breeds where I say it depends on what part of the country, and that's kind of been established by their local photographer that they see the most. And one of those breeds is Italian Greyhounds. I want those dead profile. I want Mm -hmm. to shoot them pretty much just like a Doberman Mm -hmm. and Mimpins. That's Mm -hmm. Doberman, put it up their profile. And I just find it looks much more attractive, but yet, you know, it goes somewhere else and they immediately put it on a three quarter. And so then I ask them, is this something that you want or A lot of times they'll just say, oh, I don't know. What do you think? And then I interact with them and say, I think let's try profile.
0: Okay. And that's a really great tip as well. Not only should you know your dog and know your breed, but ask the photographer for thoughts and see if you get something different that
1: you like better. Right. Like I'll ask some of the people too with certain breeds. If there is wiggle room, you know, on the photos, and there are plenty of breeds that there is that wiggle room. I just say, do you feel that this dog has a beautiful head? Oh yes, like that's one of the best things. Well then there you go. Let's give it a little more. Yeah. Let's put some angle on that and see what that looks like. But every time, one thing I can say for me without fail is every time they want to tell you something about how to shoot their dog, just do it. No matter how much I might disagree with them, just do it. If you've got a dog that will work and you can do one of each. Then go that way. But I'm not here to argue with somebody to say, no, it's your dog, but this is how it should be done. You're not going to win that battle, <laughs> I don't think, you know, no matter what you think. But most people, I mean, there are some breeds, oh, wow, everybody involved, even the owner handlers, you know, that don't do this every weekend, weekend, and week out, you know, they're giving it their best effort. And That's all I can hope for is they give it their best effort and train them.
0: I think the train them. And, you know, here's another one. Tips for judges. We don't offer this very often. Tips for judges. Like I am that person as a judge. I'm always trying to help the handler. I'm like, here, I'll hold your bait here. You know, all that kind of stuff. But tips for
1: judges. I mean, we're in those pictures too. Yes. And I could have said you were a professional handler without me even knowing when you say, oh, I try to help. (laughs) It must be that you're just standing there gritting your teeth (laughs) and just like, oh my God, just do this. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to be helpful. I know. And I get it. And I totally appreciate it. But there are some judges that can pull it off. And then others where okay, now we've got too many people involved. Now you're making it worse. (laughs) You know, they throw the bait and the bait goes like (laughs) blank, And so as a result, their head is twisted down like this. And, you know, it's like, no, you're not helping. One of those judges is a really dear friend of mine. And I just let us do it. Okay. (laughs) Just let us do it. So, so yeah. tips for the judges: don't okay. help. Got it. Okay. Yeah. If we ask you to help, you know, like throw the bait, because you said I'll hold the bait for you. Yeah, you know that can be really helpful. But just keep a smile, and really, honestly, just keep a smile, and just stand there and try and not ribbon to look holding. At the I want instruction
0: on ribbon holding. What's the judge's best ribbon holding technique?
1: I would say like right at chest level. Like I'm not attaching tassels here, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Some of them are, they're looking at the toy when you throw the toy. You You know, I understand the process, but you know, at the same time, it is a group effort, but there's also this like, okay, that's enough. Just keep smiling be pleasant. I know that's hard for some of us, you know, I'm including myself at the head of that, just be pleasant and let that picture happen. Don't get too involved in it. I like it.
0: And here's another thing. I think, again, back to the exhibitors, understand the photographer's perspective, understand the judge's perspective. The judge's perspective is I have to pee. I've been on my feet for three hours if this takes another 30 seconds, my head is going to explode. Right. You know, judges are people too. Yes. And I think that for the exhibitor to keep that in mind, that we don't want to be unkind or unpleasant or
1: short-tempered or frustrated. We're just, we're all trying to get our thing done. Right. And, you know, defending the judges, I'm telling you, if they just look cross-eyed at somebody, it's all over Facebook. It's all over social media. And, you know, I've had people that judges, personal friends of mine that are just lovely, wonderful people. And yet would have exhibitors complain, not knowing that I was a friend of theirs and had worked with them, you know, complaining about their bad attitude. And it's like they don't have a bad attitude. They don't. They just, you know, you're brushing the offside of that Laza. Just the for the last five minutes. Silence. Really? Yes, absolutely. Have some consideration for the people that are waiting, but also that moves over into the judge. And then the judges don't want to cooperate. And I can't say that I necessarily blame them if they just feel like they're just being used. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it really is a team effort. You know, it's really something that the judge is involved in, the dog and the handler and the photographer.
0: So let's make it a happy, positive experience.
1: Yes. For everyone. Yeah, because otherwise you'll have a dog complete its championship and not have one photo that you're happy with.
0: Honest to God, I am guilty as charged. I had one bitch that I finished, was my own dog, was Uh my own breeding. I finished her and my assistant showed her half the time. I realized after she finished her championship, I had not one single win photo of her. Oh, that you hadn't
1: taken? No, I just didn't take any. Oh, right, right. Well, because I think subconsciously you're thinking, oh, I don't want to do. <laughs> I told no. you I hate
0: taking photographs. So, right, you know, if it was a client, I had to. My own dog, I didn't have to. Right, so, right. I think that that is always something, and I'm speaking here as the voice of experience and do what I say, not what I do. I had one of those dogs, one of my top wire hair specials years ago, that was not my own dog. It was a client dog that the camera was going to steal his soul. He was sure of it. Yeah. I would get so frustrated and all I did was exacerbate the problem. Right. Yeah. And so I had to learn from that. I called that dog my PhD in handling.
1: Yeah. I think that that's a really good point because they're confused. They don't know what's going on. And then. We're upset and trying to, you've got people glaring at you, and you know, the judge's like, I've got to get back to my ring, and it just piles on higher and higher and higher until I mean, there are times where you just sort of feel like one of the things I do, let's put it this way one of the things I found to be really helpful because, and why I compare them to four year olds, is you get up there and it just starts to become a struggle. And doesn't matter how or why, it just is. And you've got four or five people standing there. And I like kind of fell into it by mistake. I said, do me a favor, take this dog and just go over there and just relax and just interact with your dog or not. Just take a time out time out. I love that. Put them in the corner in a timeout. Yeah, it's a timeout, not in a bad way, but it's just, you can take a breath and you too, everybody takes a breath. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you the next dog that gets on that stand will stand there like a rock star. It's bizarre. I mean, it's like so dead on. Okay. Well, that's fine. So let's do that. Then the people over there, once you've done, you know, a couple more, you don't necessarily have to make them wait forever. I don't mean that, but say, okay, let's try this again. And I guarantee you three out of four times, you're going to get that shot. If not more than that, or certainly something better than before, because it just breaks. They're in a pattern, they're Mm -hmm. in a zone, and it's not going to break. If you just stand, you're going to lose. We're all going to lose. That dog is not going to do it. I've lost those battles (laughs) before. Yeah, and even if you get it to stand still, it's not a good shot. There's a lot about expression and (laughs) my face. Yes, yes, that's the face where
0: they call me an axe murderer. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's not that bad. Yes, it's that bad. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) I would think you're a photographer because photographers we hate to have our photograph taken. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Thank you
0: so much, Vicki, listeners. I will make sure that there's some great information in our blog post. And I'll put a link to a few more where we talk about the same topic. I think that's a huge one. And I really, really appreciate your time, Vicki.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. This is something that, you know, I really would love to work more with exhibitors and in a situation where you don't have a time constraint, you know, right. for getting back to the ring. And so yep. if anybody wants to come up to me and talk at a dog show where I'm working, I would love that. Perfect. I mean, so. Perfect Vicki. That
0: is what I was just going to tell people. Yeah.
1: Go find Vicky, And I promise you that stands for any show photographer I know. Right. Yes. Yeah. Find them when they're not busy and you're not busy and work on a problem. And if by some chance they're not interested, which I doubt, I think it's I, not, I can't think of anyone. Way. Yeah. But then, you know, just, There'll you be know another then doctor. just go on your own and ask somebody at the next show, you know, mm-hmm. a different person. We'll get it fixed. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Excellent. All right, Vicki, thank you so much. You have a great day.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. The Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing what they can to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons are invited to a private Facebook community where dog people can share, applaud, and commiserate together. Our monthly After Dark gatherings provide a virtual get-together for the group. You can find the link to join the best community and purebred dogs right at the top of the homepage at www.puredogtalk.com. While you're there zooming around on the site, check out our Pure Dog Talk swag link. You can share the love by grabbing some of our fun Pure Dog Talk gear. Just remember, your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk.